We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. So today what we want to chat about is um, a process that Emma and I have been going through for quite a while and we've called today's talk thinking about what we're thinking about which our first disclaimer is that that is completely stolen from Crossroads so apologies to Dave and Amanda and all the Crossroads people Um, but we felt like it it best kind of phrased a, a journey that Emma and I have gone on for a little while that we want to share with you today and I think it's been really helpful as God has um, shone a light on a kind of another layer of thinking that goes behind what we're thinking about on the surface. If that makes any sense. Hopefully it will by the end. Um, so just to give a bit of context, um, this is a conversation that we started back in March 2021. So this was quite a long time ago. And Emma and I do quite a lot of running together. So most of our conversations happen while we're running. And just to give you some idea of how long this conversation has gone on for, Emma counted up our miles on Strava together from the start of the conversation to about now when we realised it was the equivalent of Good Maze to Paris. So um, our second disclaimer is we're trying to condense what is a ridiculously long conversation into about 20 minutes. So um, we're going to skim over some things. Um, but part of the reason we wanted to show you the, the depth and the distance is that there's a real value, I think, in going back over conversations with people, chewing through things, Things, thinking about it, reflecting on it, and being willing to kind of adjust your position or understand somebody else's view a bit more. So we're going to dive into a few of the topics, but mostly what we were talking about was the really kind of big weighty things that were coming up around justice, um, social injustice, um, politics, um, and various other kind of meaty things and trying to get to grips with how God wants us to um, think about those things and reflect on them. Click again. <laughs> Great. Thank you, hear me. Lovely. So the, we're just going to go through four key points that we're hopefully going to cover. Um, so just chat about the first one. So uh, we're going to talk about whether we're conscious of the things that are driving our thought processes. So what is feeding our thinking and our opinions? And are we letting ourselves be influenced um, by these things just subconsciously without us kind of checking those things with God and with others. Um, yeah, and then we will talk about how we respond to stories of injustice that we hear. So we hear about these stories a lot um, locally from people we know, and then also much bigger ones that are happening across the globe um, that we hear about in the news. So yeah, we're going to be thinking about how we think about those things and how we respond to them. And we also want to give some thought to who we journey these things through with a little bit. So um, are these issues that we chat through with other people or do we tend to process them on our own? And and who are we kind of really committed to to journeying these meaty topics with in life? Um, And then (laughs) additionally, um, just how the, the outworking of that it enables us to, to interact with the world around us. So these, are, you know, these topics we're thinking about really matter. They're big things in our world and how we think about them and how we respond to them com- defines how we are in the world that we're living in. So we just want to give a bit of thought to that as well. 
Cool. So um, just as a, a foundation to this, really, um, we, we want to touch on kingdom friendship. Now, we've talked a lot about this in other Sunday mornings over the last few months and couple of years, really. Um, now, Emma and I have known each other for about 10 years, probably a bit more than that. And um, we're very young. It was a long time ago. But originally, I was Emma's youth leader. Um, and as Emma got a bit older and wasn't youth um, anymore, we made intentional decisions to change that into a friendship. So I would say we have a lot of elements in our friendship that are, are the kingdom friendship that we've looked at and unpicked. But I don't want you to think that we've got there by accident, that it just evolved. We made very intentional and deliberate steps to build that. So part of that has looked like um, sharing life. Now, it's a funny phrase we use quite often here. Um, and Daniel was unpicking it a bit in his talk a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about fish finger friends. Is that the, that was the phrase? Yeah. So it's that idea that we cross over lives. So we celebrate the big things and, you know, mourn over the sad things with each other. But we also, you know, Emma comes along and does really boring little shops with me sometimes, or helps me tidy up after children and knows where my dust pan and brush lives because she knows how to sweep under my kitchen table, which is a really good friend. Um, but in the context of that foundation, we've then got a place where we can chat through things and address things with each other and come back to actually what can become quite awkward, where we then challenge each other. So um, I can honestly say I've made Emma cry a lot, many times, hopefully not today. Um, because when we are close enough to each other, we see things in each other and we care enough that we want to challenge that because we want to sharpen the other person. So we come back and we say, actually, when you said that, I'm not sure that's quite right. Or when you're thinking about things this way, I'm not quite sure that's right. So just to, that's the, the kind of basis that we were coming at this conversation from. And I'll let Emma go from here. <laughs> so, oh, there we go. I forgot what animations I put on the slideshow. Um, so as Hannah said that this conversation started last year, um, it started um, at the time, I don't, some of you might remember the news story where um, there was a young woman who was just walking home in London. Um, she was kidnapped and murdered and it was horrendous and it sparked a massive national conversation about women's safety in London um, and just all the injustice that surrounds that. So that really impacted me a lot. Um, it really highlighted a lot of vulnerabilities that I felt as a young woman in London and I knew that a lot of my peers felt the same. Um, had a lot of conversations with family and friends and yeah. Um, and because I felt this so deeply and so keenly and felt that it was just so wrong and such an injustice, it, I really struggled when other people didn't reflect that as much or I felt like they didn't care in the same way. Um, and looking around me, I saw a lot of other churches and organizations making statements about uh, safety of women, you know, how this wasn't right and Lifeline hadn't done this. So I was a bit like, oh, I want my church to make a statement. I want my community to acknowledge my pain and the things that are happening. Um, so I started to talk to Hannah about it. So this is one of the times that I made Emma cry, not intentionally. <laughs> but I did care a lot, but I had this slightly knee-jerk reaction to it of, we've been here before. Like, there's always something. There is a big drama. There's a big response. Lots of people talk about it. And then not a lot changes. And we go back, and a few months later, this happens again. And, you know, things like Black Lives Matter, when that movement first started, I really cared about 
a lot you know it's quite close to my family in many ways but it's a big talk there's lots of chat and then after it does stuff look very different so I think I was probably a little bit cynical at the start of this conversation with Emma um, and so as it, it kind of took shape we we came at it from slightly different ways um, but just a, a little thing to kind of segue in at this point is really about church now I love church. I think church is brilliant. It was God's idea and it is brilliant that we all come together and we are a people. Church is people. But we're not designed to be all one generation, all one ethnicity, all one culture and all one thought. We are a bunch of people who think differently, look different, practice different things and we come together because we love God and we want to pursue him but that is the design of God that we are all different so we need to be able to create space and conversation where we can have completely different thoughts to each other and figure that out together because somewhere in there is the mind of God and that's what we want to go after um so I realized as we kind of started to chew through this conversation that I had come at this really based on probably being a generation older than Emma. I know it's hard to believe, um, <laughs> very young. but you know, I, as I spoke to people my age, they kind of shared the same sort of opinion as me of we've been there, we've done this. And as I spoke to people Emma's age, it was much more, come on, we've got to change this. Um, so I realized that for me, there was things that were shaping my thought that weren't grounded. And at no point really had I paused and said, God, what's your response to this? I had just come at it from my position, my view, my history, and all the things that had shaped me. So we then had to move into a slightly different conversation where it was, you know, actually, I love Emma enough to really understand why she thinks this way. I want to grapple this through with her and I want to ask her endless questions. So I turned into a three year old while we were running and just said, but why? But why? But why? And kept asking because I really wanted to understand why. And, um, you know, it raised that question of, can I still love her Emma enough if she votes differently to me? Can I still love her if she thinks differently to me? Can I still love her if she doesn't come around to my view on something? And at the end of the day, if we completely disagree, can we still love each other in exactly the same meaningful way? Um, and, you know, what if she thinks I'm wrong? Because it's very rare. But what if, what if she doesn't actually think I'm right? Which I always am. Um, and so for Emma, so for me, it was thinking, can I still love Hannah through this? Can I still be her friend? When my default feeling is that, oh, she's really old, different generation, <laughs> doesn't care about the things I care about. Um, <laughs> That's when I <laughs> cried. <laughs> so as I spent time processing these thoughts and these really long conversations um, and inviting God actually into that process, um, I came to realize that probably a church-led statement wouldn't have changed very much for me. Um, I think probably what it would have done was would have placated my feelings, made me think, oh, that's okay, they care, few, um, and then just move on. Um, it wasn't, not having that statement wasn't about me not caring anymore, just switching my botheredness off, but it was more about aligning what I felt um, with what God had me to do in that. So we want to be a people that are led by what God cares about. Um, and how he would have us to respond in these really big, really difficult situations. So I actually ended up speaking to quite a few members of leadership about it because I was really annoyed. Um, and through all those conversations, I came to more of an understanding about why and 
then ended up talking to local police as well to see what could actually be done in our local area to help. So I'm just going to talk about the Sons of Issachar. So they come up in Chronicles. Um, it's a bit of a side note, but still. Um, so they are one of the tribes of Israel. Um, so this happened when King or David was in hiding from King Saul. So God had spoken to David and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. The current king wasn't very happy and wanted to kill him. So he was hiding. Um, and as he was hiding, loads of men from the different tribes came to show his support. And one of that group was the sons of Issachar. So they were described as men who understood the times um, and knew what Israel should do. So what had happened was that they had heard from God, heard what his will was and that, had been aware of like the political situation that was happening as well, and then acted on that. So I quite like this kind of thinking about then as a church, it's quite helpful for us to think how we can be aware of what's going on around us about the world, but also how it influences us. So yeah, we're not going to give any answers today because this was a very long conversation, but we're just sharing about what we've learned um, through the listening and the thinking processes. Um, okay. So as we started uh, on this very long journey, we started to just question each other a bit more deeply about why we think what we think and how we got there. And as many of you will remember, there was um, this crisis in Afghanistan last summer, so nearly a year ago. And uh, for those of you not so familiar, there was the um, Taliban taking over and the US forces leaving. And there was a real crisis at the airport. There was um, a really desperate situation there. And like many people here, it really bothered me. I read the news, I listened to the news, I prayed, I worried, and I went round and round in circles on that. I'm pretty sure when I prayed, I gave God lots of solutions. I'm quite good at that. I like to give him some answers that he might not have thought of um, on how to solve different world political situations, so, as long as I can get those in. Um, and at some point, it stopped. And I wasn't really aware that I'd stopped. Um, I just had stopped. And the first thing that I really became aware of that I'd stopped was several months later, and actually probably only about three months ago, I came across a podcast that was um, by an Iranian uh, man who was leading a ministry in that corner of the world. And he was talking about the church in Iran, Afghanistan, and um, Iraq being the fastest growing church in the world. And he had this hour long talk packed with the most amazing testimonies of people giving their lives to God, risking their lives for pursuing Jesus and really miraculous encounters of, of God doing things there. And um, I was running while I listened to this podcast and I stopped running, I stood still and I really felt God put his finger on it saying, you cared enough to pray at the time, but you, you didn't care to ask me what I wanted. You didn't join your worry with my worry and you didn't get to be a part of what happened next because you stopped thinking about it. And I realized that really as the news cycle had moved on, so had my thought process. So once it stopped kind of headlining on BBC News, I wasn't really praying about it anymore. I wasn't really thinking about it anymore. And it had slipped out of my consciousness. And, you know, we're not saying that once we start to mull over something, we need to pray about that 
for every day for the rest of our lives. But it's about, there's an invitation from God for us to do life with him, for us to join our thinking with him, join his concern with ours and be led by that. And in this situation, I really hadn't. I had just been led by my own feelings on it. And the outworking may have looked exactly the same. It may have been that I prayed for it for a period of time and then God released me into something else. But I just hadn't really paused to ask. I was led by me and not by him. So, social media. So, this is a big one for me, and I'm sure a lot of people my age, and just generally, about where we get our information from, what's influencing our thinking. Um, I'm just going to talk very shortly about algorithms. So, it's a bit of a confusing word, but basically what it means is just that these companies like Instagram, Facebook, um, will see what you're looking at, see what you're engaging with on those platforms, find out what your opinions are, what you like to see, and will then just show you more and more and more of that until eventually your feed just becomes a reflection of your own opinions um, and your own views. And so it can be really easy to log on to Facebook of a morning, have a look and think, oh, everyone in the world thinks exactly the same thing as me. I'm obviously right. Um, so we need to, I, well, I thought for me it's something to be aware of, um, for me to just take a step back, think about how things like that might be subconsciously impacting my thought process and my opinions um, and taking it back to God and, and seeing what he has for me instead. Um, kind of really saw this when I really wanted a statement because that was all I saw on my social media feeds. Um, so, yeah, so being able to use these really useful sources of information to be aware of the times, be aware of what is happening around us, but not letting them completely influence us. Just an example of that, I think, um, probably many others here were similar, but at different points where we've had political votes in this country, I remember being quite shocked by the results because I didn't know anybody who was voting in the other direction because either we weren't really talking about it or my social media feed and all the things that get sent to me are a little circle of exactly what I think. So how can anybody in the world think differently to me? And so it's it's that thing of recognizing that we need to really actively seek out understanding other viewpoints and and going after that because we can't accidentally think that the things that are popping up on our phone are going to give us two viewpoints so how might we respond to some of these stories of injustice that we hear and again that might be local from a friend or these really big stories um and these are things that i've recognized in myself when i've been Kind of reflecting on some of my responses. So the first one being having a stance of fatalism or apathy. So fatalism being just thinking, oh, well, what's the point? These things are going to carry on happening. These bad things are going to always be happening. So what's the point in me even trying uh, to make a difference? Um, similar with apathy, it's just all too much. I'm just going to take a step back and not engage with it anymore because I just can't feel these things. Um, for me as well, sometimes it is about not really wanting to sacrifice my comfort. So, you know, not really wanting to research the supply chains of my favorite clothing brands because I don't want to know about the exploitative work practices that are happening or modern day slavery. I'd rather just not know, carry on in my comfortable life. Um, as a, a caveat, sometimes not choosing or choosing not to read um, news all the time and things like that is the right choice for you and just be led by God in that.
Secondly, so a feeling of I have to be the do it all, I have to be the one to fix climate change. Everyone I meet has to start using reusable straws and get rid of their plastic ones. Um, so again, in this, the action itself isn't bad, but what's the driving thought behind it? What, what are we being driven by? Is it a kind of a panic and it has to be me that fixes it? Or is it coming back to God and knowing what his heart is? Then guilt and fear that I'm not enough. So this is a big one for me. And I think a big driver of what a lot of the world or how the world responds to these stories of injustice. So um, again, climate change, but oh my gosh, the sea levels are rising. We're all gonna be underwater and we're not gonna have enough food to feed everyone. Therefore, we need to fix it right now because that is the only hope. And coming back to know that we have got a God that is bigger, that is good and capable. Um, and we can have hope in these situations. And finally, a need for personal impact. So wanting other people to see what I'm doing and think, oh yeah, she's, she's got it, she's great. She's doing uh, all the good things. Um, so, you know, feeling like if I don't do that, what's my purpose, what's my legacy? Um, don't, some of you might have been aware when George Floyd was murdered um, a year ago, there was a big, drive on social media for everyone to put just like black screens on their social media as like a sign of solidarity. And I did do that because I did care about the situation a lot and I, it wasn't right. But I didn't really stop to think about it. And I think probably, if I was honest with myself, the driving thought was that I wanted my friends to think that I cared, which I did care, but I wanted them to know. Um, yeah. So these aren't all the possible responses that might happen but some that I identified and then how else might we respond if we can sit more in a place of God is good basically through a lens of hope so this is the process I started to learn as we went through these conversations so firstly I just started being more aware of what my thoughts and feelings were so um yeah it was quite an instant thing if I read a story of injustice I would have all these feelings straight away and they're very strong. So just having a pause, recognizing them um, and going from there. And then taking them to God. So just taking that moment to step away before I did the action that everyone else was or that would make me feel better, to just bring it to God and say, what, what is it that you're saying? What's your heart? Why are you caring about this? Oh, just as a, another one for that second point. So. For me, um, when Sarah Everard was murdered, it actually helped me to really learn a whole new way of being with God, which was to lament. So to just actually sit with him and pour out my grief and my pain and know that he was there, that we didn't need an answer, we didn't need to fix it, but I knew that he cared so much more than me and that was a massive source of comfort for me. Um, so then knowing from God when we can let go. So as Hannah was saying, we can't, we, we can try, but we can't care about all of the things that we read about all the time because we just would freeze up and we wouldn't end up doing anything. Um, so as we bring these things to God and hear what his heart is in, on it, we can then know which situations are okay to lay down and which ones he's giving us to really pray into an impact. And then finally, to try and be more careful and more intentional with these unjust situations. So like when I talked about the social media with putting the black screen, I think, you know, that was just a reaction thing, but was it actually caring for the people that were 
impacted in that? Was it, was I being intentional? Was it just a, you know, throwaway thing? Yeah, so just as an example to that, um, you know, we really do think that God has for us to care like he cares. And the Bible is filled with things that he cares about. And the outworking of that is different in our world today. And I, I think the invitation is for us to come to him and ask him what things he's got for us to carry. But I think that that is going to look differently for each of us. And that's really important to first recognize, because when we're talking to people, we can catch what they're excited about. Um, and that is not going to look the same. So as we've talked about before, church is amazing. It's going to be filled with different people, with different things we're all carrying. So for this verse in Psalm 68, where it says, I will set the lonely in families, that is a truth of God. It's, it's a promise of God. And that is something that has always sat quite differently with me than other truths and promises of God. Um, I love it. It excites me. And it rises a sense of faith in me that that is something God wants to do. And I want to be a part of that. So that has looked different at different points in my life. And I think it probably first came up when I was a teenager still and you know through being a teen and then a young adult that's looked different I'm still a young adult Emma <laughs> um but over time I've been able to understand more of what God would have me to partner with him in that so uh, in the last couple of years Richard and I have started fostering and to me, that is something that God has given us to do. Um, and I know that that is not something that is for all of us in this room to do. It will look different, this particular truth of God for each of us. Um, but as we've stepped out into fostering, I can honestly say it's probably pretty much the hardest thing I've ever done. And it takes me to the end of myself on a daily basis. And that's where I need God. And I couldn't do this without God. So I couldn't be operating in the way that he would have me outwork this promise and this truth if I wasn't doing it with him. And if I were trying to do it on my own, it would look disastrously different. Um, and I think there's a freedom in knowing that God leads us into things to care about with him, but also to partner with him. It's not something we have to carry on our own. Um, so we want to reflect God's heart in these different topics, these different situations, these different things of injustice. But we want to do that with him because we want to be led by him into his purposes to be used by him in that and not led by what we feel where we actually just go around in circles and become quite ineffective like I've already mentioned. And that's that's not what I want. I want to be with him doing something purposeful. So what we've been talking about with the different responses as well is kind of maybe coming from a bit more of a worldview and a bit more of a kingdom view. So these are maybe a bit jargony that we use in church, but kingdom view kind of sitting in that idea that, or knowledge that God is a God of justice, that he's a God of hope, um, that he's good. And viewing things from that instead of from the worldview, which often operates on a basis of fear, guilt, panic, um, fatalism, all the things up there. Um, for me, it was a massive thing to come back to God and actually, did I trust him with these situations? Did I trust that he was good and that he would bring good into these situations and alleviate the suffering? Um, because I think a lot of that was then just felt like I had to do it instead. Um, another verse that I found really helpful was 
um, Matthew 6.34, which is the don't worry about tomorrow. Um, for me, that was often a bit of an empty verse, if I'm honest. It was a bit like, well, why are you telling me not to worry? I can't just switch my worry off. That's just it's not how it works. Um, and God really met me in lockdown, actually, um, with it. And it was a bit of a different situation, but it was just like this light bulb moment of realizing that I don't need to worry because God is good, because he is constant, because he will be there tomorrow and he will be the same um, for me as he is today. Um, so yeah, that was really helpful. And just learning to filter these stories of injustice through a lens of hope um, and not what my idea of a solution would be. Um, just finally, before we come to a close, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, being reactive and being responsive. So um, me and Hannah, I think she'll agree with me, are quite emotional. <laughs> We're led by emotions Never. quite a lot. Um, and we've talked a lot about our emotions being like taking a dog for a walk on a lead. So our emotions are the dog in this scenario. Um, are we not in control? Are we going wherever our emotions are taking us? Is the dog spotting a squirrel and we're going that way? Um, or are we in more control? And are we considering what we're feeling? Are we bringing it back to God um, and going from there? And I'm not saying that our emotions are bad in any way at all. They're really helpful and they're really healthy to acknowledge, but just not that we are reacting out of that um, without stopping to think. Um, So just as we kind of finish up here, there's a few things I just want to leave you with to ponder. So the first one is that we've got an opportunity to invite God into our thinking. And I think like Emma and I were at just a few months ago, it may be that many of you have never really got to that point of pondering it. And there's an invitation that we can step into today where we, we say, God, show me what I'm thinking about. Show me why I think this way. And actually, let me join that up with what you're thinking. The next one, um, I think where we've perhaps become aware that our responses aren't quite how God would have us have them. So some of those things Emma's talked about, that feeling of burden or that feeling like things are just a bit too much. We can hold those open before God as well and ask him to adjust our responses and really to, to come to a place where we see these big situations through the lens of God, through everything that Jesus has done, which is filled with hope, which is miraculous, which is filled with limitless possibilities and is not the bleak outlook that we would read about and we would see when we look at anything through our phones. And the third thing I think is just an opportunity to deepen our relationships intentionally with others. Because I think for Emma and I, if we didn't have that space where we were having these conversations, I'm not sure we would have got that shift in our thinking here. And God has put us in community to celebrate that we are all coming together to worship him, but we're all different. We do all think differently. So we don't have to align ourselves with people who look the same and think the same. We can come together as a community and we can invest in those relationships and invest in saying, I want to understand why you think this way. I want to understand why you vote this way. Um, and for this to be a safe place and a safe community where we can build friendships like that, where we're prepared to grapple and understand the other person, and love them through that process. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. 
We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk, or Twitter at lifelineuk.co.uk.